Reading Age of Union Age of Union is a personal vision, one that you are invited to connect with in any way that resonates with you. At times, its language may read like a directive, at others, like poetry. In some areas, the writing will be steeped in mystical thought. Elsewhere, it will be grounded in scientific study. I invite you to enjoy the read for the creative, artistic, and spiritual journey through which it will walk you. My intention is to inspire and be inclusive and to fuel a passion for change, transformative action, and unity. Many are concerned for our collective future. Many are concerned for the animals and ecosystems that enrich our world and sustain our ability to live on this planet. Many wonder if spiritual knowledge, balanced by the scientific understandings and achievements of our species, can help us solve the world's problems. I share these concerns and thoughts. I feel we can only move forward by making efforts to unite our paths and focus on finding solutions. Spiritual exploration embraces and celebrates humanity's journey. It teaches us that our journey can be at once remembered and renewed by this generation. It can help us walk this challenging road toward union together. Spiritual and mystical traditions show us how, as a people, we have reached for that which seemed beyond all understanding. We can learn from traditions that, in today's world, can be reclaimed with modern application. Their absence has left us feeling disconnected and lacking meaning or purpose in our actions. A Framework for Change Age of Union presents a vision for a time when we've reconciled the disconnections that have happened along our journey and unseparated the barriers to repair and reconnect the world. It takes courage to open one's heart, but when we do, we open a space that can be filled with the strength to be leaders in our own destined capacity, to connect with one another through different expressions of culture, to celebrate the teachings of our diversity, to protect nature as we move into an era of guardianship and to find the spiritual in the everyday. This is to know the joy of purpose. Beginnings. The Personal Walk. The wealth of experience I gained from leading my tech company, Lightspeed, through nearly a decade and a half of hyper-growth has played an important part in my personal walk. At Lightspeed, we have focused on culture just as much as code. I feel an enormous sense of responsibility to ensure that the company and its people reach their full potential. With high aspirations, I have taken risks that have been founded on a spiritual base. This was a deep source of strength when I faced cardinal points in our journey. I learned to trust in this elemental source of growth. And I have been entrusted with a company where the bounty of that faith was revealed in a unique ability to survive, reinvent, and thrive. While startup life shaped an important part of me, I felt a growing need to explore other parts of myself, my cultural, spiritual, and environmental leanings. Even after hours of talking shop, my father never ended one of our phone calls without reminding me that I was not responsible alone for the success of my company. He was right. Letting go and trusting in higher guidance would result in outcomes for Lightspeed that 
I could not have conceived of on my own. The company grew far beyond my expectations and, early on, I stopped having preconceptions about our limitations. I led with resilience, but I also gave the company over to that far greater force. Year upon year, the company would rise through challenges to reach new heights. Both sides of my family are originally from Goa, a small state on the west coast of India. Portuguese spice traders colonized the region in the 16th century, before the British Empire, and they maintained their hold on the territory for nearly 450 years until its annexation by India in 1961. As such, the Portuguese exerted a strong influence on Goan culture, converting the local people to Catholicism and giving them Portuguese family names such as ours, de Silva, meaning of the forest. My father's family, originally of the Brahmin priestly Hindu caste, continued the religious tradition of the family as Catholic priests, nuns, and caretakers of the village chapel. In the 1920s, my grandparents' generation resettled in Uganda to help build the civil service in the new British colony. They thrived until the country became unstable and unsafe in 1971, when military dictator Idi Amin provoked a bloody civil war. My parents came to Canada in 1972 as refugees, my father, aged 25 at the time, and my mother, just 19. Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau chartered planes to bring the English-speaking, educated immigrants from Uganda to an army base in Montreal. There, they found the destination cities of their relatives already in Canada on message boards. My parents chose to settle in Vancouver, where they married and where my sister and I were born just a few years later. I was an artistic, academic child from a family of entrepreneurs, creatives, and intellectuals, spiritual, good-hearted, and generous people. As a kid, I loved to paint and draw, and nurtured by a loving and scholastic mother, had a strong run in school, cultivating a vivid imagination. I entered the tech world when my father, a communications director and graphic designer, brought home a Mac. I became obsessed with a crossover between the liberal arts, design, and tech that this new kind of computer represented. I turned my interest in user interface design into learning programming to bring my interface designs to life. All through my teens and early 20s, I built a software development and tech support practice, combining my love for creation with my enjoyment of learning about people. I came out as a gay man in my teens in the early 1990s. I would make the Friday night bus rides from the suburbs of Richmond to the Vancouver Gay and Lesbian Center, or GLC as it was called, for the weekly youth group meeting. Arriving there at 14 years old, it would be years before people my own age would start attending. I made supportive friendships, met with counselors, accessed a library of LGBTQ books, and engaged in discussions that helped me understand that being gay was an experience shared by many others, and that while it was different, it was also both normal and special. Being gay was less understood at the football-oriented, all-boys, Irish Catholic high school I attended, and my coming out to friends in grade 9 was met with a mixed reception. I grew more muted about my sexuality until grade 11, 
when it became broadly known and accepted as part of who I was by friends and fellow students, many of whom later came out as gay themselves. They have remained close friends throughout my life. Coming out to my parents at age 18 meant an adjustment to their understanding of what my future would hold, but that understanding grew over time. Their love and acceptance never wavered. My father, though emotional when I first told him, accepted my coming out and made a deal with me to engage in a form of cross-education. He would visit the GLC if I visited and listened to the perspective of a Christian prayer group. He had been on a spiritual journey after going through a difficult period in his life, and spirituality was always a topic of exploration and common ground between us. This exchange, through the people and literature of the GLC, resulted in my father realizing the positive connection he had with gay people in his life, and that some of his closest friends and colleagues were part of the LGBTQ community. In these late teenage years, I was also adopted into the club scene by an Indonesian transgender woman who became a second maternal figure in my life and who protected me and others my age from negative influences. Around the same period of time, I enlisted in the environmentalist battle to save the old-growth forests of British Columbia. At 17, I drove to the west coast of Vancouver Island to protect Klayukwit Sound. Groves of thousand-year-old trees, which stood like nature's cathedrals, were to be destroyed by clear-cut. Our protests won the preservation of those forests. Yet on the journey to Klayukwit, I had seen the dead, gray, clear-cut valleys that previous generations had not saved. These images of man-made moonscapes on earth have never left my mind. At the University of British Columbia, my early career in technology directed me into computer science. However, by the end of the first year, I realized that four years of statistics, calculus, and engineering were not my path. After taking a year off, I returned to UBC to study art history and religious studies, following my heart to explore my cultural and spiritual interests. While studying the Abrahamic faiths of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, I found myself drawn to the journey and covenant of the Jewish people. And in my first Judaic studies class, I felt a rush of wind inside as the professor read the opening lines of Genesis in Hebrew, a literal sensation of the words Chuach Harnai. I began to explore deeply as I found roots for my personal spiritual growth in Judaism's rich mystical tradition a thread that can be found woven throughout this book. I transitioned my tech consulting business into jobs that spanned from Vancouver to Montreal after my move to this city in 2001 at age 24. Montreal's cultural vibrancy, diversity, and open-mindedness resonated with how I wanted to live my life. It was an inspiring cosmopolitan city where I would find the fertile ground to challenge myself socially and professionally. After a layoff from a company where I developed software during my early years in the city, I considered what my next steps would be. My love of the culture of Montreal, as well as my experience of the underground music scene, led me to follow some personal ambitions to learn how to produce electronic music and start writing, inspired by the mysticism I was studying. 
I often look back at this transitional period as being the spark that would eventually conceive Never Apart, an attempt to combine the cultural with the spiritual and to find new ways to connect new audiences with both. At this juncture in 2005, two things happened in tandem. I began building the enterprise that would become Lightspeed, and I converted to Judaism. I had come to two very foundational turning points that would determine the course of my life's journey for the next decade. A company was born on a deepening faith that could weather the rigors and challenges of building and leading a startup. And my faith was enriched with the life experiences and diversity of people that running one of Canada's fastest-growing companies would allow me to learn from. From the ages of 28 to 38, I set aside the idea of combining the cultural and spiritual in a new project. I trusted in my journey of putting all of myself into building Lightspeed as well as investing in my personal growth. Both progressed hand-in-hand, infusing the company with the best of what the spiritual brought out of me, the trials and triumphs of the company preparing me to lead in broader ways in the future. Growing at Lightspeed Lightspeed grew rapidly from the start and today employs over 700 bright minds across eight cities. The company did not take outside investment for our first seven years. The building of the Milex neighborhood, our fourth office, which would become the Never Apart Cultural Center years later, would be our last purchase before we raised nearly $300 million in funding from investors in Silicon Valley and Quebec between 2012 and 2017. In 2019, Lightspeed's IPO was valued at over $1 billion. We grew the company into an international force for cloud-based point-of-sale and e-commerce software, our mission being to even the playing field for independent, small, and medium-sized business owners and help them be more data-driven and competitive. We wanted to keep cities unique and thriving by providing tools for local entrepreneurs that were up against both the big chains and the e-commerce giants of the world. When Lightspeed outgrew 7049 saint urbain in 2015, and we began preparing for our move to the Gare Viget, a 120-year-old restored railway hotel that lay east of Old Montreal, the question of what to do with the Mile X building presented itself. I sensed this was an opportunity to fulfill a long-held dream. At this point, Lightspeed was celebrating its 10-year anniversary and, truthfully, 10 years of building a startup with the roller coaster of stresses and successes that comes with being the CEO and shepherd of this growing family had left me burnt out. It also left me thinking about whether I was the right person to take the company to its next stage and if the other things I wanted to do with my life's experience would ever be realized. Leading Lightspeed challenged me in ways I could never have imagined. Managing teams, executives, technology, marketing, design, finance, and investors as well as handling crises, launching products and offices, staving off competitors, adapting to new market conditions, and rapidly transforming consumer behavior. Reinventing my role year upon year to best serve our people and mission. I built the original software and then evolved as a leader through every stage of the company. We chose to build Lightspeed on the strengths of diversity, 
and inclusion. We hired brilliant people, and we established teams in places with cultures as diverse as Montreal, Amsterdam, Ghent, New York, London, and the U.S. West Coast, which themselves revealed subcultures in every department of engineering, sales, support, and operations. Somehow, we have still been able to find unity on our mission, a celebration of all that diversity can bring to a company born of the digital age. Starting Never Apart One thing I learned from 10 years of running Lightspeed was that spaces are important. As a leader, you have to create a space, set an intention, fuel it, and fill it with your own energy and the energy of like-minded people. Then you have to listen, adapt, and allow it to unfold and grow. I would make the decision to turn 7049 Saint-Urbain into Never Apart, only knowing that it would have a spiritual intention to positively impact the world through culture, one cultural modality at a time. I had not thought of Never Apart as an art gallery. I initially conceived of the space as a youth center that could give back, the way that LGBTQ centers helped me and my friends growing up, Never Apart developed into a cultural program involving exhibitions, film screenings, music events, artist discussions, meditations, and other cultural and social happenings. And now, with three years under our belt, it has become clear that the intention of its original manifesto has guided the organic and radiant unfolding of the center, both within and beyond its walls. While Never Apart was a project intended to connect everyone under the message of breaking down separations, I felt a deep commitment as a gay man to my own community. The name Never Apart, in fact, had a double meaning. It meant ending the separations that were at the heart of the challenges that humanity faced, between one another, between us and nature, and between us and our spiritual source. It was also a vow to LGBTQ people that never again would we be separated by others from our spiritual purpose in society. Before we began the struggle for our civil rights and came forward as a community, we were the pioneers, the healers, the storytellers, the artists, the innovators, the radicals, the shamans, the caregivers, the messengers. With a gift for empathy, we were the unique few placed across all peoples and cultures to push society forward and defend its well-being. We offered divergent perspectives and brought people together in times of both joy and hardship. Our difference prepared us for this special calling. We must remember that this was once our role— and that now, more than ever, the world needs us to step up to support the positive change and unity that are needed. After three years of watching Never Apart reveal itself and explore so many aspects of the human spirit and identity through cultural means, the small seed of its manifesto finds itself re-examined and reimagined in this book. That vision has been enriched by my personal learnings from both Never Apart and Lightspeed, my exchanges with the people who touched and influenced both projects, and my spiritual explorations along this journey. Now is the time for an age of union, 
a vision for unseparation in a fractured world. A call for changemakers to find purpose in action, to find intention in union, and be never apart. Change begins with our choices.